0: Only child, so spoiled. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, my family actually never had a lot. Um, so, this particular talk on like pain and suffering, um, I feel like really hits home for me because I, I feel like a lot of my life has been a struggle. Um, didn't come from a lot. Actually, I found out a few years ago that at one point, uh, my family was surviving on like 11 grand a year and it was three of us in a house um, and we still somehow managed to have food on the table every day it's incredible Uh, i am married i just celebrated six years um, uh, like a month ago or two months ago i guess at this point Uh, we don't have any kids yet uh, but my wife danielle and i we have two like really hairy kids we have a dog and a cat And they do actually get along, finally. It was, like, years of just, like, locking them in the room and playing, like, worship music and hoping that it works out. <laughs> um, but, um, no, but they do, they do get along. We have a French bulldog. She's super cute. Her name is Olive, um, but we call her Ollie. And uh, our cat's name, it's, it's really, like, messed up. We named a cat after the bird from Lion King. So, so our cat, Zazu. Um, and, and yeah, uh, we've been living in Williamsburg for almost a year now. Before this, we were living in New York city, uh, in the boogie down Bronx. Um, we lived there for most of our marriage, um, and we were working together at a nonprofit out there that serves, uh, inner city kids with, uh, some very interesting family backgrounds, some really interesting, uh, family realities, um, that they go through. Uh, so, it was a lot of fun there, but then really felt like God was calling us to something new, and here we are. Um, you know, I always joke around that Williamsburg, Virginia is very different than Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, like, Brooklyn has a Williamsburg, but it's, it's not this. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, that's as much as I feel like I can remember about myself. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. This is my second time. Um, It's fun to come back and see some familiar faces, uh, see some people that I uh, love a lot, and and also like some new faces that I get to meet and become friends with. So excited for that. Thank you for having me again. Um, I hate that you invited me for this particular talk because I feel like it's the hardest question out of this entire series. You had like the senior pastor of the Williamsburg Chapel here last week, and you gave him a softball. But um, And now I get to tackle why does God allow pain and suffering. Um, and I guess um, short answer is I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I feel like some people stop there and they just give up. They'll write God off completely and say God must not exist um, because there isn't really a good reason why um, pain, and suffering exists, but just because, like, you may not have a good answer for why suffering and pain exist doesn't mean that there isn't one out there. Does that make sense? I feel like a lot of us get stuck on the things that we don't understand, and we just make assumptions, like, oh, because I don't get this, no one gets this, therefore, um, like, this just doesn't make any sense. But I do think that um, even though, we can't fully know the answer to this question. There's still a lot that scripture has to say about pain and suffering. Um, and I would love to dive in and kind of tackle some of these things with you guys. So tonight, what I'm hoping that we can leave here with at least a slightly better understanding of is, what, what is the problem of pain and suffering? Like, what, what, what is the problem of pain? What is it? What is the origin of pain and suffering? Um, But also, what is the purpose of pain? Like, is there a purpose to pain? What can we learn from pain and suffering? Um, And then I guess this third thing I'm sort of calling, what is the promise through pain? So, what is the problem of pain? What is the purpose of pain? And what is the promise through pain? In other words, like, what what is God doing about the pain and suffering that does exist? Um, So... Would love, if you have Bibles or you're on your phone or whatever, if you could open up to Romans 1, um, verse 18 is where we'll start. So for those of us that are old school and have, hey, props to you because you have a real Bible. Good job. She's 10% more saved than everyone else. I'm just kidding. Uh, You can edit that out, right, CJ? From the recording. Oh, shoot. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't care. Um, but, okay, so Romans 1, 18. Uh, I'm just going to pray first, and then, and then we'll jump right in again. Jesus, thank you for this night. Thank you for this, this group of students um, gathered here. Um, God, thank you that we have the ability to do this in a, in a university, like in a public place, that we can just gather and openly talk about you and faith um, Lord, there are so many people around the world that don't have this privilege. Um, And Lord, I I pray that you would uh, give me wisdom as I communicate some truth from your word. I pray that you would speak to me, speak to us as we um, seek to answer a really tough question and um, seek your wisdom in your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Um, How how many of you guys are familiar with C.S. Lewis? heard of him at least. um, I I, like initially years ago started to read uh, this really famous book that he wrote called The Problem of Pain and like gave up halfway through because I was just like dude this language I can't I'm he's too too Shakespeare for me Um, but went back and it's it's really a great book and so I just want to hit you guys with a quote from that book because he really just sort of breaks down and defines what is the problem of pain, right? So from C.S. Lewis's The Problem of Pain, the problem of pain in its simplest form is the paradoxical idea that if we were to believe in a higher power, we would on one, on the one hand, have to believe that God wants all creatures to be happy and being almighty can make that wish manifest, But on the other hand, we'd have to acknowledge that all creatures are not happy, which renders that God lacking in either goodness or power or both. And in its simplest form, I do think that that's the issue, right? That is the problem of pain that we all have to struggle with and answer. If you do claim to believe in God or claim to believe in this higher power, that if God is all powerful and all good, why is there so much evil? And why is there so much pain? Why is there so much suffering in the world? Um, So I do want to jump into Romans. Um, Romans 1, 18 through uh, like 32 kind of gives us a a snapshot of humanity. Um, So I'm just going to jump in. We're going to skip around a couple of verses just for um, time's sake and to stay sort of on topic. But um, verse 18, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their, their hearts desired. And as a result... Um, they did vile and degrading things with each other 's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the created himself who is worthy of eternal praise and the next couple of verses um, we 're just going to skip over just because that 's a, like a sep- the whole entire separate like message, but it just talks about um, like it goes more in depth with some sexual immorality there uh, but verse 28 Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that uh, should never be done. Their lives became full of every wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand Break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. So that's a lot. That's heavy, right? That's a like heavy passage. Um, but I do think that it's it's sort of an X-ray of where we are right now in humanity like all of of these things are true. Has anyone ever experienced gossip or backstabbing or any kind of relational tension or breakdown? I feel like we've all been there and resonate with at least some of these things. But the important thing to ask is like, wait a second, like yeah, these things are all true and they're all, they all suck. Like, these are all bad things. None of us enjoy any of these things that were described in this passage. But like, how is it that we even got here? And I love Romans 1 because it actually is not only just telling you how the world is, but it's actually making some really deep references back to the beginning. And I think the way that we figure out how we got here is to go back to the beginning. So... Uh, let's look at Genesis, um, Genesis chapter two. For those of you that have it, um, see Genesis one, kind of just gives you the big picture, like these are the days and God made X, Y, and Z on these days. But Genesis two really kind of dives into um, creation of mankind and like what the purpose was, what were the conditions in the garden, uh, these. This perfect world, like after, you know, like God was going through each day. He was like, "This was good. This was good. This was good." Made man by himself was like, "This is terrible. This is not good." Uh, and then he goes, "All right, let me make woman." So he, woman comes into the scene. Then he's like, "All right, sweet, this is good." Um, and then he finishes creation and he goes, "Okay, this is very good." Right now, what wasn't there in the beginning? No pain. No suffering. Everything was just really good. Perfect conditions. And um, in fact, so at the end of Genesis 1, I think it's verse uh, 27, right? Creates human beings, creates them uh, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It took two canvases, really, to paint the picture of God's character, of who he is, uh, which I think is really cool. And so then what did he do with them? He takes them and he places them in this garden and the rest of chapter two is like what happens in this garden right and this isn't part of my talk but i'm going to give you the four r's to a healthy soul the four r's that were there in in the beginning uh and if you want to be healthy you want to have a healthy like spiritual life if you just want to have a like um a healthy life these are the four r's that you need in your life you ready This is like, I'm giving you this for free, but really, I should charge you for this. Uh, So, uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 9, okay? The Lord God made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground. These trees were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. So, before God does anything, he says, hey, rest, enjoy this. I made this for you to enjoy. Have fun. Like, these trees are beautiful to look at. They're delicious to eat from. Uh, Just rest. Just enjoy this creation that is very good that I've made, right? Um, And then the second R, if you skip down to verse 15, and this is really, this part is relevant to to this talk, but I'm going to give you the four R's just because I really love them. Um, The second part, this is before the fall. This is still perfect world, Okay. God gives us responsibility. So the first R is rest. Okay, second R is nice. Okay, so it says the Lord God placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. There's this element of responsibility. Like we're not just there to have an eternal vacation in this garden, right? Like there is some work involved. Like we're placed there with a purpose. We're placed in that garden to take care of it, to protect it. Um, That that word, watch over it, Um, a lot of other translations really mean to guard it. Um, And so there is this element that like God is requiring us to take care of creation itself. That although God is in charge of it, is the creator, the originator of everything that we see and experience. We play a vital role in maintaining it. Like we play a part in keeping this world going and taking care of it and watching over it. Um, The next thing is this. So first R is rest. Second R is? Okay. Third R is restraint. Okay. So verse 16, the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you'll surely die. He didn't just not place that tree there. He didn't just say, you have no choices here. You're just going to do what I say, and you have no say in everything. Um, He he gave us free choice. He said, you can freely make your own choices. Eat whatever you want. Like, enjoy the things that you want to do. Like, care for this in the way that you want to care for this. This is my only restriction. Just please don't do this. The fact that we were given a restraint or a restriction implies that we had the ability to choose. And that's important. We'll come back to that. Um, and then the last one, and this is my favorite one. Um, then the Lord God said, it's not good for a man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So it wasn't good enough that man was placed in this perfect environment where he could rest and enjoy the most beautiful scenery, enjoy the best food. Um, It wasn't enough that he was given authority and given a role and given a purpose. It wasn't enough that he had this one restriction. He also needed relationship. And that's the fourth R. If you wanna live a healthy life and experience God in a healthy way, if you wanna maintain a good rhythm in your life, you need to experience these four R's on a regular basis. Like you need to rest. And if you're in college, that's hard to come by because you're like going all the time, pulling all nighters, going to practice, going to all this stuff. I get it, I've been there. Um, It's not enough to just work yourself to death either. Um, It's not enough to just be restrained, you also need relationships. And this is, this is why Tribe Fellowship is such a cool place, because you can develop such meaningful and such positive relationships. You can have people that will encourage you. Uh, but anyway, those are the four R's, okay? Um, give, gave them to you. But um, how do we get here? <clears throat> Pain was never part of that plan. God's plan for mankind was for us to enjoy him face-to-face, encounter him, have a relationship with him, walk in the garden together forever. Pain, suffering, death was never part of Genesis 2. And see, it's interesting that we were created in God's image, right? That we were called to freely reflect the character of God in us, in everything that we do, in the way that we carry ourselves, even in the way that we look. It takes humanity in our immense level of diversity, all cultures, all languages, all peoples. We, Every single person in this room looks different, yet we all reflect God's image. But see, uh, the way I like to think about what's about to go down in this story is this. You ever walked into your bathroom and you look at yourself in the mirror like on in the morning first thing you see yourself clearly right maybe too clearly like you don't want to see yourself first thing in the morning um, because you're like whoa I look like that that's crazy Uh, but you see yourself clearly right and then what happens you go and you take a hot shower you come out of the shower and then what happens the mirror is all fogged up right it's Now it's like almost impossible for you to see yourself. You have to try to wipe it down. And even then, it's like you're like doing, doing this dance, trying to avoid all of the fogginess so that you can catch a glimpse of yourself while you're trying to brush your teeth or do your hair or whatever it is. Um, so think about this. Pre-sin entering the world, clear image, right? Like if we're created in God's image, he would look at us, he would see himself. And then what happens? We're given the ability to choose, and when we're given the freedom to choose, we often choose wrong. Right? And so mankind, given the ability to choose, chose to fall for a lie. And see, Romans one, that passage that we just read, was referencing this. Romans one twenty-one echoes the creation story. It says, for they knew God. Who's they? Like Adam and Eve, they knew God. They knew him face to face. They claimed to be wise and became fools. When the serpent came, uh, the serpent just started like questioning everything, right? It's like, no, did God really say that to you? Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from this tree? Well, what did he say would happen? And then Eve is like, "Wow, He said we would die. And then, and then the serpent is like, you won't, like you won't die. Uh, that's not going to happen. That's not true. Um, and then later on, we find out that uh, their, their response, when God questions them, they said, oh, we were deceived. But see, we had a choice. We chose to take from that fruit, right? And in doing so, we kind of fulfilled the rest of that Romans passage. We, we, did, we had an exchange. We exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images. We exchanged the truth a lie. And see, exchange implies choice. Like you, you have something and you're choosing to give it for, and get something in return, right? Um, and that was the moment that sin entered the world. That was the moment that brokenness entered the world. That was the moment that that super clear image in that mirror became a little foggy. Where there is now separation between us and God. And see, brokenness happens in three different levels. There's personal brokenness, like because of sin, we ourselves are separated from God. But because we're not living in this world by ourselves, brokenness happens in a second level, which is a relational level. Because I am personally broken and personally sinful and my mirror is foggy. As I develop relationships with other people, I'm forming broken relationships And because there's not just two or three of us, but there are millions and millions of us on earth, as us individually broken people separated from God through sin form these broken relationships and start living together in the same places, we form broken communities, broken systems. And all of that, at the heart of all of that is selfishness. And see, my my main thing that I want to convey to you guys is that at the root of most suffering is selfishness. Because there was no pain, there was no suffering until that selfish decision of, I want to be like God. I want to make this choice for myself. I want to put my desires, my needs ahead of God's plan, God's purpose for me. At the heart of all of the brokenness in the world, is selfishness. And selfishness leads to suffering. And so let me tell you really quick a story about me that sort of illustrates this. And uh, Emily's laughing because I I told a bunch of high schoolers this the other night. Um, When I was in fourth grade, I had just moved here from Brazil, uh, like a year had passed, and um, had a rough day. You ever have just one of those days where, like, nothing works out? From, from, day, from the moment you wake up, you're like, your alarm didn't go off, and now you're running late, now you're rushing, now you're stressed out. And um, that was the kind of day that I was having. Um, forgot my lunch money at home, was, like, hungry all day, um, like, all this stuff. Um, walked home from school, and it was raining, no umbrella, just drenched, right? Um, got home hungry, wet, cold, like, frustrated, First thing I do is I run to my mom and go, mom, please tell me there's food ready. My mom's like always cooking. Um, And she was cooking, but there was no food ready. She was like, you you just have to be patient. You just have to wait, food's gonna be ready in like two hours. I'm like, two hours? Like, this is unacceptable. (laughs) Um, And typical fourth grade kid, I'm just like, I hate you. Like this is, you know what I mean? Like totally blew it out of proportion. And was super selfish, was like, no, you don't understand. Like, I need to eat right now. Like, it's not about you. It's about me right now, okay? Like, I need to eat. And uh, my mom was, like, super nice, trying to be, you know, kind to me. Um, she was like, look, there's some snacks. And I was like, no, you don't understand, <laughs> you know? Um, and she was like, well, you know what? Like, you have food. You have money, right? Like, if you really want food. And so I was like, yes, rent grab my money and I was like I'm gonna go to the corner store and get pizza and she's like really it's still raining like that's not a good idea just stay just be patient Uh, and me I just patience it was like what is that Um, I was like no way I need to eat right now and so I stormed off and she's like at least take an umbrella so I was like fine (laughs) took an umbrella Um, so I went bought the pizza and I'm walking back like yes Got the pizza. Let's go. Boom! Crossing the street, got hit by an F-250. Flew like 25 yards. Um, I was awake the whole time, by the way. Um, Just like landed, mangled, and, and broken. First thing that I say to the guy after he comes out of the car And he's like, oh, my God, are you okay?" And I'm like dazed and confused and totally out of it. And I'm just like, where's my pizza? (laughs) True story, like not even for comedic effect. That is what I said to him. And he brings me this like mangled box. And I'm just sobbing like, no, my pizza. (laughs) Um, And he's like, are you okay?" And I was like, I think so. I tried to get up and snap. My leg shattered, fell back down. Turned out I had broken my femur. Um, and all of, like, the tendons from down here were up here now. Like, it was just, like, a mess. So I had a giant ball right here um, and uh, was awake the whole time. It was miserable. I found out why they call it a stretcher that day um, because literally, first of all, they cut my Air Jordans, which I was, like, super tight about. Um, and then they cut my jeans, and I was like, no, my Levi's. Um, just you know the whole time just it's all about me right um and then they so do you guys know why they call it a stretcher they literally like tie something to your ankle and then they just stretch you out and so because my bone was like this and i needed to be like this um it was miserable and all of that to say i suffered a lot and i experienced a lot of pain that day because of a very very selfish moment and I'm going to leave that story there for now. There's no resolution to that. Um, <laughs> but so like in, in that moment, right, I had one of those moments that was just like, why? And, and I had a lot of time after that to think about that question. Like, God, why me? Why this? Why did I go through this? Why did I experience this? I was in the hospital for eight days. I couldn't walk for six months I had to relearn how to walk as like all my tendons and stuff like healed from that. Um, it was a tough, tough time. And that really leads me to, to this next thing. Like what is the purpose of pain? Have you ever thought about it? There is purpose in pain. And in fact, uh, my favorite book, James. You guys know James? If you have, uh, if you have your Bibles, if, would you mind opening to James. Real quick. Uh, James is like all the way at the end. Uh, This is a really famous passage. So you might know it even though uh, you don't have it open. But James uh, 1 verses 2 through 4 just says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. And let the perseverance Finish its work so that you may mature and be complete, not lacking in anything. And that's a really tough verse. You know, that's one of those, like, oh, that's easy, easier said than done. Like, this is not what you want to hear when you're laying in a hospital bed, not, not being able to run or walk or any of that stuff. But look at the language of this. It says, consider it like pure joy, when you face trials of many kinds. And he lists a bunch of things, and, and I just want to break some of those down. I think that one of the many purposes of pain is that pain reveals a lot of different things. But the main things that I think it reveals is pain reveals your strength, but it also reveals your weaknesses. Think uh, any of you had that have ever worked out ever in your life, um, like, think about, and, and I'm not saying that, like, pain reveals to God how strong you are, because, like, God already knows. But I think pain tells you how strong you are, but also how weak you are. And, and what I mean by that is, like, think, uh, you know, if you're trying to bench press some weight in the gym, um, you only find out your max, right, if you keep pushing it. And it's you, once you start to feel that pain that see, you start to feel that burn that you're like, okay, I, maybe I got a little bit more. And you add a little bit more and then you're like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> like, th- that's it. Like, this, this is it. This is my threshold. This is my limit. When you start to feel that pain, you know that you've reached your limit. So you also know how strong you are because that is how much weight you can lift. But you also have just found out your limit. This applies to life, too. See, when you experience pain, it reveals to you how strong you are. When you look back at all of the past pains and stuff in your life, you should be able to see how, just how strong you are. You can look back and you say, I've been through X, Y, and Z in my life, and look at where I am now. But pain also reveals your weaknesses. Pain also expands your endurance. So in this passage uh, and later on in James uh, we, you know, there's this Christian metaphor of like life being like a race that you run and we're, we're called to run as if we're trying to win, right? But we're, we're also called to persevere and endure and so pain expands your endurance. So the more, like think of a runner practicing for a marathon, right? Like there's no shortcuts. Like you can't just tomorrow say, I'm going to run that marathon, because no, you're not. Like, you think you are, but you'll get through it maybe a couple miles, and then your body's going to say, nope. Um, you know what I mean? There are no shortcuts. Like, you have to train for that. And so and the, the, that pain that you feel as you train, as your body gets stronger, as you push yourself from five miles to six miles to, to nine miles to 12 miles until you can run that marathon, that's how you know that you have endurance and endurance is the ability to persevere through adverse circumstances Um, but i think one thing that i love the most is that pain matures you and when you go through pain it really adds perspective to your life because like think about the difference right between like a three-year-old and like a 33 year old like, three-year-old cries for, like, anything. It, like, breathes too deep, and it starts crying, like, you know, like, and, man, don't even get me started on babies. They're, like, the self, the most selfish people. Um, I'm, forget that I said that. (laughs) Um, But, like, when you're a three-year-old, your perspective on life is so small, right? Like, you can hide a ball behind your back and it's, like, gone forever. Like, you you have no concept of, like, spatial, whatever the, that concept is, where, like, things, yeah, that, object permanence, that's the one. Uh, like, you have no concept of that. Like, your world is just so small. You're living, like, minute to minute. When you're 33 and you've just, like, gone through all of this life, you've been through all of the the greatness of middle school and high school and you've been through all the tough work and all the fun times in college. Now you're like halfway, you know, into like your adulthood. You're just like making decisions. You're buying houses and things, like doing crazy stuff. And and you've gone through some serious things in your life probably at that point, right? Like your perspective on the world and on life and on people is just so different. And the pain along the way, all the hardship, that you face all the victories all the struggles um, really teaches you really matures you and the pain heightens your senses and gives you a greatest, greater awareness of the important things in life um, yeah um, but that's not enough right because we're still faced with like Okay, but like my pain is real. And yeah, I can learn and I can grow from the, the pains and the trials that I face. But like, why me? Like, why do I have to go through these things that I'm going through? What, what, what is God doing about my pain? What is God doing about my suffering? And how can you justify like all of these things that happen to other people in other places? All of these catastrophes and things like that. And I think that, um, as I said before, it's really hard to fully answer that why question just because that's so much for us to wrap our minds around. And I think that why is a great question, but I also think that what is an equally good question, if not a better question. Because like, yes, we all acknowledge that pain and suffering exists. We've all been there. We've all gone through stuff. But an important question to ask is like, what is God doing about the pain and suffering in the world? Like, where is God in the midst of all this pain and all of this suffering? What is God doing about all of this? And um, I just want to tell you that, like, God sees your pain. God sees your suffering. And, and not from a distance, too. Like, he's not this far away God just sitting on top of a mountain on his big chair, like, looking down. And seeing you go through all of this stuff in your life and just saying, well, shouldn't have done that. That sucks. Um, He's not this far away God, right? And, And I loved that video tonight because I think it really hit home. Like God is present in the midst of your pain. So much so that like, From the moment that we fell, from the moment that humanity sinned and from the moment that our mirrors became foggy and we stopped reflecting God's image, God put in place this grand plan of redemption to ultimately bring not just us personally, not just us relationally with each other, but all of creation systemically um, back into good standing, back into peace. And that plan involved Jesus Christ. And he came and took on flesh like he didn't just sit up in heaven and stare down at humanity like destroying itself. He actually put on flesh and entered into our world. Lived life just like we did. Experienced the full range of human experience. All of the joy, all of the pain, all of the so- sorrow, all of the suffering. He experienced joy, sadness, anger, betrayal, persecution, slander, and even death. And he did all of this to ultimately bring salvation and redemption to all of creation. He is seeking to heal you and me and all of us and all of creation. And the other thing too, uh, let me actually just hit you guys with another verse. Um, Romans 8. So we were in Romans 1 before, right? Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Like there is this very real reality that God doesn't promise us a comfortable, like safe, pain-free life. Like in fact, he assures us that we will go through trials and tribulations, right? But in the midst of that, he says, do not be afraid for I am with you. Do you know how many times the Bible says, like, God says those words, like, I am with you in the Bible? I counted today because I was like, this would be a fun thing to know. Um, But literally, he says, I am with you 28 times in the Bible. And uh, the Bible is one of those things where, like, if they say one thing once, it's like, all right, pay attention to it, I guess. If they say it, like, twice, three times, then you're like, whoa, okay, like, this is something that should be taken very seriously. Like, the writers of the Bible hit this three times Like, pay attention to this, right? 28 times the Bible tells us that God is with us. You know how many times the Bible says, do not be afraid? Any guesses? 365 times. Isn't that funny? That like there's 365 days in the year and literally every single day you could read a different verse that says, do not be afraid. Yo, that's so cool. And guys, in the midst of all of our pain and all of our suffering, Jesus' response, God's answer to this is, I'm not just going to sit back and watch. I'm going to enter into your situation, no matter how ugly, no matter how hopeless, no matter how messy it is. And don't be afraid because I'm with you. I was in the hospital bed for eight days. I couldn't walk for six months. My dream, like any other Brazilian kid, is to play soccer. Um, And... That day where I got hit by that truck, that dream was like ended, crushed, right? And I had no idea where my life was going to go, what my purpose was going to be. I still tried to play soccer in high school. I was like, I'm just going to do it. Like, no one's going to know. My body knew. My body wouldn't let me play. Um, Coaches found out about my leg. I still have like two, like one. I used to have two. Now I have one metal rod, like, from my knee to my hip. Um, I, I'm a lot better now. I can actually run and still play a little bit, but not, not seriously. Um, coaches wouldn't let me play in high school. And that actually got me into music. So it's kind of funny that Phoebe put me on the spot and said, you're playing guitar tonight. It's like, what? Um, but, like, for most of my childhood and adolescence, I asked that question with no response. Like, why me? Why this? Why did God allow this? Um, And now I can look back and I can say, you know what? God diverting me into this new path forced me into music, which became my passion, which became the thing that I went to school for in my undergrad. And if I hadn't had this accident, I wouldn't have gone to the school that I went to and it's in that school that I met my now wife, who I've been married to for over six years. And if I hadn't met my wife, I wouldn't have ended up working at the nonprofit that we did for the past five years together with my wife. And if I hadn't worked at that nonprofit, I wouldn't have met one of the associate pastors at the Williamsburg Community Chapel. That ultimately was our connection to like Williamsburg in general. So literally, I would not have the job that I do now, I would not be living where I live now, I would have not be married to the person that I'm married to now, I would not even be standing in front of you guys today if it wasn't for this really dark, really sad, really painful time in my life that ultimately led me to this moment in time right now. So although it's really hard to answer in the moment, like why God allows certain things to happen. I just want you to know that God loves you way too much to leave you there. He will meet you wherever you are in life. Whatever situation you're in, like, he will be there for you. All you got to do is, like, call out to him. All you got to do is reach out to him, and he'll be there for you. But also know that there is an ultimate purpose and plan in place for your good that God is working and he's not just saying, yeah, there's pain and suffering and that sucks, like good luck, figure it out. But he ultimately has a plan to redeem not only you, not only me, but all of creation back to himself. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you that um, although we have this kingdom, this this place that you talk about in Revelation where every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more death. Uh, And although that is great, um, Lord, thank you that you meet us right here and now. Lord, thank you that you promise to walk with us and go through the things that we go through and you enter into our situations. And God, uh, I thank you that you have a plan and you have a purpose for each of our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to look at our situations and our pain and our suffering and know that they are no match for the glory that is ahead. That they, they are just stepping stones, things for us to learn from. Uh, yes, super hard situations at times, but, but God, thank you that, that you give us the ultimate perspective, an eternal one where there is no more pain, there is no more suffering. And God, I just pray that you would use our lives, the good and the bad, for your ultimate glory. And Lord, thank you that we get to play a role in caring for this world and for the people in it, that you don't just do it all yourself, but you actually invite us into this redemptive work of reaching out and impacting people and bringing healing to those around us. God, I pray that you would give us courage and boldness to do that and enter into other people's situations uh, with love and with care. Um, And I pray all this in Jesus' name.